Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode nine of Let's Talk About It. Today's episode is with Sana Badwar, and Sana helps people work on things that I personally feel like are totally overlooked when it comes to other types of business coaching that are out there. Sana focuses on understanding your human design, how that integrates in with your business and how you operate in the world helps you get into alignment with your human design, as well as work through any conditioning or mindset blocks that you may have by using neuro-linguistic programming, which is so fascinating and such an incredible tool, as you will learn from what she talks about with it in the episode of how it integrates in with the understanding of your chart and how you can make some really positive shifts in terms of how you show up and how you operate within your business. I am really passionate personally about this topic as someone who has taken a lot of business coaching over the years. This was always something to me that was never really addressed in a way that I felt like needed to be addressed Um, because at the end of the day, it's how we run our businesses, how we operate as entrepreneurs. If you are an entrepreneur listening to this right now has a lot to do with how we feel about ourselves um, and our own personal blocks that we may carry throughout our lives, our own conditioning that we may have. So with talking with Sana, she helped open up a whole new level of potential of things that can be addressed in order for us to live in alignment, not only to live better lives personally, but also to be able to show up as entrepreneurs and as business owners in a more impactful and meaningful way. As always, please don't forget to like this podcast, share it with your friends or anybody who you feel like could benefit from this message. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About It. I am really excited about this episode today, which I'm excited about everyone who comes on this show. Today in particular, though, we are going to be talking about some really cool things that I'm super into, and one of them is human design as well as learning a bit about something called neuro-linguistic programming. So I am here today with Sana Badwar and tell us a little bit about yourself, Sana. Amazing. So I started my journey in corporate America um, and I was in corporate marketing and sales for about eight years. And with, I'd always had this inclination to become an entrepreneur because I knew it was in my blood. My dad's an entrepreneur all of the women and and men in his family line prior to him are entrepreneurs. Um, So I jumped into it and I failed three times. I literally found myself just not being able to figure out the strategies, not being able to get all the answers I needed, not being able to get past imposter syndrome. But what happened was at some point of, you know, the eight years of, of marketing, corporate marketing, sales, and failing in entrepreneurship, I just made up my mind and I said, I'm doing this. I'm going to learn it. I'm going to hire someone to help me. I don't care how much money it costs. I've been earning a really good salary so far. I have the money to pay. There's nothing stopping me from being a rip-roaring success the way that I believe I should be. I did it, made the investments, learned the right way, figured out all the steps, but something was still missing inside because I wasn't seeing the alignment that I needed. I was like, okay, I'm out here and I'm doing all the things, but it's not feeling right. Um, I got certified in neuro-linguistic programming. And then shortly after that, I, I won't say it was necessarily like 
in that sequential order because I had discovered human design somewhere along my path. But in the discovering of human design, I was applying it to myself first. And then when I started getting my first few clients after I'd certified in neurolinguistic programming, I started to touch on human design with them a little bit and using my own experience of human design. And after doing that, they started seeing results. And then I had an entire pivot and I was like, I'm not doing just like mindset and branding work anymore, which is what I started out doing as an entrepreneur. I decided to pivot fully into human design. So I made a full transition into human design and I took what I knew and then doubled it with certifications in both traditional and quantum human design. And now I've combined it with neuro-linguistic programming and I coach my clients, help them with both neuro-linguistic programming and human design in their businesses and how to apply it for success in the areas of income, productivity, and increasing their, I call it impact because so far all of my clients have been women. Um, but really it's your impact as a person because human designs for everyone. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a little bit about, yeah, that's a little bit about my background and like what got me started. Oh, so cool. So I'm like, I absolutely love the application because business is so closely associated to personal development. And it's from my perspective as well, just from like my experience of also being an entrepreneur that you know, I'm the only person in my life that's ever held me back from doing anything. And that's where human design for me was a really big eye opener um, in terms of like, how do I show up? How can I make like business actually like work for me as opposed to me feeling like I need to fit into this mold that I don't feel like I fit into. Um, So I absolutely love that you offer that type of stuff to people. Yeah. And you know what, just on that, on that note of like fitting into someone else's mold versus easing into your own, right? It's so much of that is actually just self-acceptance, but self-acceptance from a place of awareness, which is why human design is so powerful because not only are you listening to somebody Um, reflect you back to yourself to say you are an amazing person you are capable of all of the things that you want to do you do have the skills and the tool sets to the toolkit to to allow yourself to expand into these areas of of opportunity but here it is in black and white on your chart so Mm -hmm. I'm not making anything up I'm literally showing you and reflecting back to you everything that you are because human design it's not just some sort of divination or you know um self-assessment tool it's deeper than that it takes five different sciences into account right we're talking astrology we're talking the chakra system we're talking i ching we're talking quantum physics and the kabbalah So it's these five metaphysical slash real sciences that are coming into play to really help us understand who we are at our very core, right from the time of birth to various different points throughout the year, right? Because we know about transits and we know how transits influence us as well. Mm -hmm. I was going to say in the context of transits, just so that for anyone who's listening and who's new to human design, Um, but maybe has like a basic sense of astrology or understands planets 
-hmm. um, and this is actually going to be for anybody really, is when we understand astrology, we think, oh, my zodiac sign is X. Um, but we don't actually look at the way that planets move. And when planets move, they affect us on a collective level. The part where astrology and human design come together is it actually allows us to see how the planets move through our bodies versus around the sun. So it gets even more specific when you start to look at the way that transits influence us as well. It's not just that static natal chart of your human design chart, but it's so much more like you are a living, breathing, dynamic body. And there is only ever going to be one astrological collision, which is you at any point in time in the world. I absolutely love that. <laughs> yeah. Can you explain a little bit? So just so I'm clear, as well as people who are listening about the different, is this where like the quantum element of human design comes in a little bit more? Like when you're talking about even like planetary movements? Um, yeah, so it is yeah. very quantum related, but it's also related to, in my, in my understanding, right, because I've studied both traditional as well as quantum human design. So in my understanding of the quantum aspect of it, this is not including the quantum physics side of it, but really the quantum piece of it is that we are all connected to the fabric of the universe. The fabric of the universe is really, really, really vast. And when we think about our lives as individuals, there is an entire quantum field of possibilities and things that we can potentially call into our 3D reality. So if you literally think about it, if you look up and you, you think of everything that you want inside of a bubble, that bubble is just one bubble of many bubbles that exist inside of the quantum space because there's billions of humans with billions of dreams. And if each human being, imagine, has like a hundred thousand of their own desires, that's like literally infinite numbers of possibilities of things that could be true. So when you think about the quantum and the field of, of the quantum and the realities that could come to pass for us, it's tapping into the vastness of the universe in order to make it our own. How we can understand it more from a biological perspective and just from a 3D and how do I turn that thing that I want into a reality? We have to understand that each one of us are light beings. So we hold light in, inside of our bodies. We carry light inside of our bodies. And effectively the quantum field is a field full of light. If we want to start pulling more of that light into our 3D space, we're actually going to need to upgrade our inner DNA. And we can do that the more we start to become in alignment with who we truly are. And so the access from the quantum field to the 3D field is a process of actually allowing our bodies to hold more light. And the more light we hold, the more our DNAs expand, 
the more our DNA expands, the more we're able to start to actually manifest more of what we want into our lives. And that's essentially a function of alignment. And that's why alignment is so powerful because alignment is really the thing that's keeping us apart from what we want versus what we have. Oh my goodness. My mind's like blown right now. <laughs> this is like a oh whole new way of, of having human design explained to me. So I'm like, this is like, this is so cool. I'm um, so happy. Yeah. I, so, okay. From what you're saying there, cause I know on the, on the topic of purpose, because I feel like a lot of people who are entrepreneurs do it from a place of uh, purpose of like, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? With oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So in the context of human design and purpose, right? Human design, it, it's, it's so vast and it's so detailed and it's so intricate. And there are so many ways that you could go about analyzing someone's chart. Right. Um, but in the context of specifically life purpose, and human design and that intersection. We have these things in our charts known as incarnation crosses. Each one of us is born with an incarnation cross, right? Um, and an incarnation cross, like simply put, is the way or the theme that your life is going to hold as your life plays out, right? So for example, um, there's this thing called a right angle cross of the sleeping phoenix. I see that one come up a lot. It comes up a lot amongst manifesting generators. And there is a certain reason why, but that's a technical reason. So I'm not going to dive into that. But what I will say is a lot of people that have the right angle cross of the sleeping phoenix will experience their growth through love, through relationships, and through feeling like they have almost accomplished something, but still feel a little bit further away from it, even though they're very much on their way to getting the thing that they most desire. Mm -hmm. On that note, each one of us is gonna have different crosses. Some of us have right angle crosses, some of us have left angle crosses, some of us are juxtaposed. Those are the three different types of crosses. And so on, on that note of life purpose, Seeing your life play out with a theme is a very big part of understanding your purpose because it's like, oh, so these things that have been happening are the reason why I've been experiencing and learning these lessons. So if we say, for example, somebody who in the context of the right angle cross the Phoenix, what's their life purpose? Like, okay, the theme that's been playing out is I'm learning through love. I'm learning through these relationships. I'm almost getting there, but not quite they have a really big purpose to play in inspiring people to believe that it's possible to have what you want regardless of a series of difficulties. So those could be some of the teacher, like the relationship coaches. Those could be um, coaches on being able to break through to your next level. So a breakthrough coach, sorry, that's my puppy, he's in the room. Um, and when you start to understand those themes more, you start to see a life purpose emerge and it can take any format, but it's about knowing that these are some of the things that you're going to be able to teach really well because you're experiencing them. And a lot of life purpose is drawn from life experience. Mm. 
That's really cool. So my, I have the right angle cross of rulership. And uh, so that one's been an interesting one for me personally to figure out. And I think this is where like my interest of human design comes in, especially when it comes to my business, because the rulership for me uh, also comes from a, a perspective of like, not necessarily me being the leader of everyone, but me being in control of myself. Right. Yes. So it's like, it's like understanding that, you know, a life purpose is a personal journey that also then transcends into how you're able to serve others. Yeah. And I almost want to go down a, a like a little bit of a rabbit hole and almost like talk about the from it from a technical perspective, which is a right angle cross is very interpersonal. Mm. A left angle cross or rather in, yeah, in and a left angle cross is or rather intrapersonal. So it's more about the individual. When you have okay. a right angle cross, it's more about your experience. A left angle cross is about your experience in the context of others. And a juxtaposition, that's a really interesting one because it involves people, but it also involves a lot of the self. And it's challenging for the person that has a juxtaposed cross because they're kind of in the push and pull balance of, am I supposed to be supporting other people through this? And am, am I an interpersonal being or am I supposed to be working on myself? And that a lot of times is the context of, of the, the cross is balance. So cool. So cool. In my human design, so I'm sure you're aware of that platform. Um, I like, I, I find it really interesting, the stuff that they talk about. Um, and yeah. one of the things is about um, the upper right um, number in your human design chart and how that's also related to purpose. Do you yes, look at that is. number? Yeah. So when you're talking about the, um, you're talking about the, the, the conscious line, right? The black yes. line. And then all those numbers that are like in that. Yeah. Yeah, of course, that is deeply connected to life purpose. So again, like here's another opportunity for us to go down a little bit of the human design rabbit hole where we start to see um, the profile, right? So you look at, for example, every person. So there are four main things, just to focus this conversation for a second. There are four main things that I always, always advise that people pay attention to when they're initially starting their human design journey. Um, it starts with the type. Then you dive into your strategy of the type. So human design strategy of the type that you are, the authority, the human design authority, and the profile, your profile that's connected to your, to your human design. So if I'm giving an example, I'm a 1-3 sacral generator. What that means is my type is pure generator. My strategy is sacral. My authority is sacral. And my profile is one three. If I'm giving the example of my husband, my husband is a six two emotional manifester. So his type is a manifester. His strategy is emotional. His authority, or rather his strategy is not sacral, it is to inform. His authority is emotional and his profile is 6-2. So this is why when you go to people's, like you go to their bios and you see 
on Instagram and you see them talk about these numbers and I'm like, what is one three SQL generator? What does that even mean? Why is it so complicated? These are the four things that you need to know for anybody. Type, strategy, authority, profile. Um, now bringing that in and bringing that back to that number on the top right, speaking of that from the perspective of the profile, and that is because your profile is like your costume. It's the way that you move through the world and how people see you. So it's how you look at your closet and choose what you want to wear and then how people see what you wear. I love so it's that analogy. <laughs> yeah. As you move through the world. And so the way that we move through the world and the way that we operate has a lot to do with our profile right? So the way that we're choosing to interact, um, why we're making certain decisions, those are all aspects of your purpose, mm. but on, in a way of almost understanding your modus operandi. That number on the top right is so connected to purpose because what it's telling you is that you will have to experience a certain amount of challenges in that number of the profile before you can step into the higher version of who you really are. Ah. Before you can actually express your full self. Okay. So it shows that. you your areas of opportunity before you're able to evolve fully. Okay. That's really cool. And that's a whole new way that I've heard that number talked about before. Um, that, that kind of connects a little bit. Um, just when you were saying that, it reminds me a little bit of like North nodes and South nodes um, in astrology where, you know, it's like those challenges that you're, that you're dealing with in this lifetime, yeah. like North node stuff. That's cool. I've never yes. like made that connection before. <laughs> it's exactly like that it's exactly like that with some with some nuances because again even in human design like I said astrology and human design plays such an interesting part because it's moving through your body so while your north node in astrology is going to be one for example my north node is Aquarius my south node is Leo and it, it will always be that way because just from from the sheer context of like um opposites right so it's almost like saying if one is black one has to be white mm -hmm. do you know what i mean like if if if, if and let me change that if um when we're looking at yin and yang if one is yin one always has to be yang right mm -hmm. like they are polar opposites so the same thing with north node and south node if you are an aquarius north node you will be um, a Leo South node and vice versa. If you're a Leo South node, you have to be an Aquarius North node. Um, so effectively speaking, those will always match. So if anyone's trying to figure out, well, I know my North node, but I don't know my South node. That's like the quickest way to know it is like it's yin and yang. It will be the polar opposite of the other one. Right. Um, but now coming back to coming back to just North and South in the context of human design and the chart. Your North node and your South node might be one from the context of astrology. And a lot of times you will see there's like a bit of a matchup as well. 
but they will be different in your chart, in your human design chart. So your south node and your north node will have placements inside of certain centers, inside of gates. Um, and if we're getting a little bit more specific now, once you go from type strategy authority profile, you'll start to see things that, that, that we call centers, which are all the shapes on the human design chart. And then inside those shapes are a series of numbers and those numbers are known as gates. But in understanding north node and south node, where those nodes are placed, they will be inside of gates. Those gates carry energy. And when those energies are inside a specific center, they prime you to behave in certain ways that either you're conscious of or you're just operating on a programming. And this could be an interesting segue to NLP as well. Mm -hmm. But when we try to understand what they are, the opportunity is in understanding what direction the energy is trying to move us versus what is necessarily the astrological meaning of having a north node and what is the astrological definition of this particular north node they're supposed to be used in conjunction okay that makes sense yeah but on the segue to neuro-linguistic programming i talked about conscious being consciously aware of doing certain things a certain way and then being subconsciously operating on programming. And that's where neuro-linguistic programming comes in. Okay. Um, yeah, so neuro-linguistic programming and human design are such amazing partner um, fields of education because we talk a lot in human design about being conditioned mm -hmm. or being deconditioned, right? Uh, where you see openness in someone's chart, which is typically on their human design chart, um, where you see a lot of like undefined or white centers versus colored centers. Those are all areas where people are specifically able to be conditioned. They're more easily conditioned than where they're defined. And that's because when you're undefined, you're receiving information versus putting out information, receiving energy versus transmitting energy. So those spaces naturally tend to be like absorbent. They'll take in a lot. And then they get conditioned throughout the course of a person's lifetime to act in certain ways that are not true or authentic to their natural energetic pattern. So in human design, we talk about deconditioning. In neuro-linguistic programming, we are actually then going to the subconscious layer where we find this old programming that is running. So for example, imposter syndrome, for example, excuse me, for example, shiny object syndrome, um, for example, just someone's inability to feel confidence in who they are, the inability to necessarily see themselves through to the end of a project or to get the kind of results they want. All of that is happening because we are not able to see our true potential, first of all, because of all of the conditioning that's happened throughout our lives, and because of the old programming that is playing that's telling us somewhere or the other that we're either not good enough or that we don't have the skills to do XYZ thing. So they work really well together because human design provides that black and white foundation of like, this is what's going on. 
And neurolinguistic programming is a tool that allows you to then help the person access their subconscious mind in a kind and in a fast way to then release those things that are holding them back from getting to their highest potential. Oh my goodness. You're like blowing my mind right now. Cause I, that was like, ah, oh, cause human design I find is a great tool. It's a great opportunity to like learn, you know, your more about yourself, but also how you show up and, you know, the conditioning aspect and all those things. Um, but it does, that is one thing that I can see perfectly where that the NLP like comes in just to like help with those things that are actually holding you back. Yeah. Like an actual tool. I it's love an that. actual tool. Yeah. It, it literally actually allows you to be able to help someone release. And there are so many different things, right? So even within the field of neuro-linguistic programming, there's hypnotherapy, there's emotional freedom techniques, which is basically tapping. There is um, timeline therapy, which basically allows you to go to take that person through their timeline to be able to release the things that were holding them back. And then there's all the skills of life coaching, life and success coaching. And then there's also this layer of being able to work with someone um, with various techniques, which are actually known as, which are known as neuro-linguistic programming, those set of techniques. And there is multiple different like levels of mastery that you can attain all the way to the point of being a master trainer, where you can actually train people that would like to get certified in, hum in uh, neuro-linguistic programming. Um, but for me, I found that for now, me being able to serve at my highest doesn't require me to become a master trainer. And that's something that like, I really want to emphasize right now, just in this moment is to let people that are listening and to really drive home this message of you do not need to be ridiculously certified in order to be somebody who cares and wants to help people and to run a business where you can actually help people and yes. be effective. Yes. I love that you said that because that's a really big, um, I mean, I know for me personally, and then you also see it with people who are almost overeducated sometimes where it's like, you feel like you need to have this external shell of like, here's all the knowledge and here's all the education that I have in order to feel worthy to like help others. So I love that you just said that <laughs> such yeah. a big deal. It's such a big deal. It's such a big deal. And I feel like you just can't say it enough. And, you know, the other reason why I say it is because I, I am a contradiction to what I'm saying. Do you know what I mean? Like I am certified. I am certified in human design, both traditional and quantum. I am certified in neurolinguistic programming. And it was only after I went through my journey of getting all these certifications that I realized that I could have helped people anyway. I may not have been able to help people specifically in this way, but I could have been a very, very successful um, business coach regardless. Mm -hmm. But I, at the time, felt this need to prove, oh my gosh, like, look how qualified and skilled I am. Um, but when I look back on it though, with a retrospective lens, what I do see emerging is the fact that, again, my profile is coming into play. As a one, three, right? The one in me loves to learn. 
the one in me is an avid learner, but I learn for the sake of learning and for this, because I enjoy it so much. But the three in me also needed to try a lot of things, still needs to try a lot of things. The three is a very experimental energy. So it pushed me to get certified in all these different ways. It was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like the one was like, yeah, 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 go, 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 get certified, learn all of these things, get all this information because it feels really good to study. And the three is like, yeah, and do it in all these different ways. Yeah. So that's another place where when we look back on our lives, human design actually helps us to have a kinder lens on the past. It's like, oh, that's why I behaved the way I behaved back in the day. <laughs> yeah, I get that. So I'm a four, six profile. So my, Ooh. that six line having the three in there too, is that like my whole, like up until I would say, I would say the first, the what that first one third ended for me, probably about at 32. I would say yeah. maybe even 33, not 28. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's always after like um, the six, that triphasic experience. It's not super accurate as like the first third of your life. It's going to end at 30. What I'm learning from experience with, and I attract a lot of six energies as well, by the way, like, mm. I don't know what it is, but I attract a lot of like six energy sixes like to come to me. And I, I'm very flattered. I love it. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. But like that, that sixth energy, the, that triphasic experience. So for anyone that's listening that wants to understand what I mean by triphasic, the sixth line will go through three distinct phases in its life. The first line being very experimental equal to the three. The second phase being very distant, almost like wanting to be removed from people choosing like that that six will choose when it wants to engage versus it and it cannot be invited out it decides on its own like I'm making the decision to engage and I'm also making the decision to disengage and then in the third phase of a six's life they start to become seen as revered leaders like they're wanted for their information and their expertise and they're always invited out, but by that point, it's a very um, extroverted phase. So you might find yourself, Jillian, going into ENFJ when you're in the last phase of your six. And it's not for, it's not for, um, it's not for the fact that you didn't try to be an introvert. It's more like you're just enjoying being out there so much and you will be wanted and you will be needed. So you might see yourself skewing a little bit less introverted around that time. You may not go all the way to E, but you might be less introverted around that time. So interesting to understand those triphasic uh, phases. And then also, just as we were saying earlier, it doesn't just end around like it's not exactly in your 30s. It's going to happen somewhere, like you said, 32, 33, where things start to feel a little bit more solid, like yeah, I'm settling down into this identity and it's starting to feel better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will say that it's been actually, I mean, I believe that all things are a blessing, even like how, regardless of how frustrating they are to go through. Um, and the pandemic has definitely been no, like, like no Cake fun. Block. Yeah, for, for anybody. Um, but I will say that it's been really interesting to me that my transition actually happened during COVID. 
like that yep. whole of like going through all this experimenting and then realizing like like no like I'm in control of myself as opposed to like feeling like I need to keep like you know doing all these other things it was it's been a really interesting transitional phase um that I hope a yeah. lot of people have actually learned a lot about themselves during all of this I feel like you're probably speaking on behalf of a hundred percent of the population <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but like yes I really I really agree with you on that um and I really I really do resonate with that because you know if I'm going a little bit woo we, we love woo <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um mother earth okay mother earth has been experiencing her ascension so age of Aquarius is not a mistake right so the Piscean age was the age just before age of Aquarius and the Piscean age was all about structures it was all about systems it was all about hierarchies and it was all about you know us almost like pandering to the ones that were considered to be more authority than us what's happened is during that Piscean age, Mother Earth's ascension had to slow down. She had to stop her ascension. And those are all connected to various different celestial events as well. We're talking star seed events. We're talking, you know, various different planets. Like we're talking our, essentially like our guides that are out there in the universe. So that particular process of ascension slowed down during the Piscean Age in a big way. But what has happened is, again, celestial events that are taking place out in the universe in multiple different ways that we cannot see or watch or necessarily consciously grasp onto are taking place right now. And in order to help Mother Earth heal, there has, in the past as well, there has had to, we have had to experience cataclysmic events, catalytic events that have created major shifts in the way that we perceive, in the way that we believe, in the way that we're able to trust. Mm. And in the process of us having our own, like essentially as Mother Earth has had her ascension we're having we're all having our own little mini ascensions as well mm. and COVID-19 while it was most certainly an unpleasant event for all of us to experience like having to be you know cooped up at home not being able to go out businesses shutting down other people losing jobs like we've really been pushed into a place of discomfort mm -hmm. but what do we know about discomfort right it is only when you are at the edge of discomfort that you start to see your greatest self emerge. You have to embrace your discomfort. Yes. And so Mother Earth herself has had to embrace her own discomfort through COVID-19 in order to ascend. And she's bringing all of us with her. She's like, for those of you that are ready, for those of you that are awake and you're open and you're like, you're excited about this evolution, come on, because I need all of you that are ready to come with I need all of you to hop onto this train and like, let's go, let's bring more light to this planet. And so you think about, again, it comes back to light workers, comes back to star seeds, comes back, 
comes back to everyone that is talking about divinity or just even bringing it down to the grassroots, like embracing your confidence, feeling good, getting out there, taking those bold steps in the direction of self-belief and what you believe is right for you. That's what's happening. And it's taking major events like this one for a full consciousness shift. I love that. We're not believing so much in corporate jobs or having to be somewhere from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. in order to be productive or having to listen to quote unquote the man in order to feel like we are worthy of being who we want to be. And yes, we actually can see ourselves being productive, income generating, and impactful in ways that are most aligned to us, in ways that are most connected to our human design, our natural energetic patterns. I absolutely love that. It's so is that does that tie in with some of the like the um I've noticed on Instagram lately you've been talking a lot about uh the divine feminine or bringing in femininity into business. Would that kind of be along the lines of that topic? Yes, yes, yes. So absolutely yes. Um, so let's break that down for a second. Femininity versus divine femininity, first of all. Okay. Okay. Um, divine femininity is essentially for me a really simple way of embracing your higher self. It's embracing who you believe you would be if you had, which you, which we all do, but if, if you really were like using your goddess abilities, it's like, yep, I have the superpower. I am a goddess. I'm going to conjure this up and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to put my finger here and this thing's going to appear here. And I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do that. Basically who you believe you could be if you were absolutely infinitely powerful. And then, so that's your divinity. And then there is femininity. And inside of femininity, there is reflection. It is shadow work. It is knowing who you are at your core. And it's taking the time to get comfortable with all of those things about yourself that made you uncomfortable once. Like it was a huge step for me to start talking on social media, to start doing stories, just to start sharing this truth of my own, right? Where I can actually believe that I'm worthy of bringing clients on board and helping them to see this in themselves and getting paid for this work. It was a huge step for me as it is for so many of us that are in this on this journey of entrepreneurship, on this journey of supporting our, our brothers and sisters in being the highest versions of who we are. It's scary. It's frightening. It feels impossible sometimes. Some mornings you wake up and you're just crying or some morning you're going to bed and you're constantly thinking about work and wondering if you served in the highest and if you hurt anyone today or if you didn't hurt someone today or if you're doing your best or you know the those little things that that affect us in such deep ways but it takes courage to do mm. that's your femininity getting comfortable with what's uncomfortable and then there's masculinity which is strategy planning doing the work getting out there you know 
hustling, checking those boxes and making sure things are going according to plan. But that is such a small percentage of who we are and how we're here to, how we're truly here to impact and how we're here to get our message across. That's the masculine part, but it's very small. And it's unfortunately, yeah, it's unfortunately also like what the majority of business coaches actually focus on. (laughs) And they forget about this whole other part of like, you know, the, the background needle moving work that, you know, not a lot of us, it's almost as if we've been conditioned or trained to um, belittle those things uh, or to make, or to make uh, them almost feel as if they're weaknesses um, as opposed to areas to build some true strength. Exactly. I feel like you've nailed it. And it's really as simple as if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to get there? Yeah. That femininity, it's your map. It's your map. It's like, ah, it brings, and, and I think you alluded to this earlier as well, which is what you said of, you know, I don't need to necessarily be in such an experimental phase anymore. I'm the one who's in control. I'm the one who gets to decide. The, like, I can put the focus on what I can control. Mm-hmm. And that's the aspect of, of, of doing, doing the feminine work, doing the hard feminine work that will separate someone who wins from someone who applies the strategy, checks all the boxes, does all the right things, but doesn't feel alive and then doesn't get anywhere. Yeah. Because I did that. Ah, yeah. We all have done that, right? And it's just like, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, I'm missing (laughs) this part of the strategy. Okay, well, maybe now if I do this thing, I'm going to like do really well. Yeah, exactly. Nope. I must not be doing my Instagram like post right or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> when we really like, I mean, marketing, marketing works, right? Like we've all been marketed to and we've all been led to believe that, you know, these are all things that in order to be successful, you have to tick the boxes on all this stuff. Um, but so little, I mean, I, I start to see it more and more now, like this recognition of like the, the feminine side uh, or that femininity aspect that you've been, that you just shared with us. Um, I did have a question on that though, for you about that. Of So when you were speaking about that, it made me kind of think about with myself. And so my not self theme as a manifester would be anger. And boy, do I have a lot of anger, Yes, <laughs> but yes. I've noticed that it's, it's definitely I think it's that tool that, you know, being, being trained that, uh, emotion is weakness. Um, you know, I've suppressed a lot of that stuff that, you know, oh, you're mad. Oh, just suck it up. Like, just, just play the game. Just keep doing what you're doing. Um, as opposed to taking the time, which I've been trying to do more recently of acknowledging that, you know, this person, like I got reactive towards the way this person said this to me, or, um, this situation that happened, um, and instead looking at, so it's like those emotional cues that each one of us have based on our human design, even, um, are cues of like where we could actually, you know, dive a little bit deeper to figure out like, well, why were we so reactive 
to that. Would you say that like, that's a good cue is like your not self emotional. Oh my God. Yeah. A hundred percent. So it's, it's a, yeah. Like, and it's such a good question because that is exactly that is exactly what it is that tells us that we're living off the chart. So when you're off the chart, you're basically living a deconditioned life where you're doing things in a way that did not feel authentic to you. Now, and it's so interesting that we're talking about this because, you know, I love that as a manifester, you're asking me about femininity because I always say this, manifestors have the most masculine um, energy type in human design contrary to the (laughs) yeah contrary to what's been floating around out there where everyone talks about you know generators and manifesting generators as being so masculine because they have life force energy from their sacral and they do a lot I believe the complete opposite and I have experienced the complete opposite which is generators and manifesting generators are the most feminine because we have to wait to respond projectors as well have to wait to respond reflectors I don't believe are that feminine Mm. and manifestors are the most masculine but yes in the context of when we're talking about the big picture of femininity and femininity being able to sit with those things that make you uncomfortable and like really diving deep into those emotions that is the best way to be able to clue in to what is making you feel out of alignment which is the way you're responding to things that make you mad as a manifester the things that make you angry are the things that you need to actually be loosening yourself up from yeah and there is obviously more nuanced responses to that so for example if I was reading your chart I would look at it and I would say I sincerely believe that this aspect of your chart is something that you are not honoring enough And you need to be looking at your anger with this lens. Mm. And likewise, if somebody else was to say, well, Sana, this situation makes me frustrated. It's not so much of, do you need to walk away from that circumstance? Slash, do you need to actually embrace this circumstance more? It's not such a black and white answer. It's like, okay, well, what's going on in your chart that is, causing this contradiction for you that's causing this anger for you as a manifester and what's happening in your life that either needs to shift or that perhaps you need to shift internally and that's where NLP would come in so it's it's a very layered response but that's what I do I help with those And now when I speak of the word strategy, I'm literally talking about tools, tips, process. I give you the strategy to be able to use your human design in ways that will amplify your productivity, your income, your impact, according to how your energy is primed to serve you. And here's a really important tip too, right? Like if something is causing you anger as a manifester, um, because you can't do the thing that you most want to do. One of the strategies they would give you is how to plan your calendar around that so that you're able to do more of what you want to do instead of getting caught up. Instead of getting stuck in something gummy that's preventing you from being able to actually just like, I just want to go, 
right? Like a manifestor's energy is a lot like a sword, like a machete cutting through grass. <laughs> like, get out of my way. I gotta move. Like, yeah. I need to flow. Like, go away. Oh yeah. And then when I'm done, like when I'm done cutting through all this like crazy, these thickets of grass, come and get me then. I might or might not be available for you, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. It's even right down to like, I don't even... I am very apprehensive of even putting things in my schedule, like, because I'm so sensitive about like, like even me, like, like telling myself what to do makes me annoyed. Right. Like, (laughs) it's it's an interesting energy to try to play with, but I like the calendar suggestion. That was actually really good. (laughs) Yeah. The calendar suggestion is key. Um, I find, are you a morning person? Yes. Definitely. Okay. So what I would do is like literally wake up in the morning and just do the first thing that's on your mind. Just do it. Um, That's one of the first things I will suggest without actually looking at your entire chart, without looking at like, you know, what's going on in other aspects of your life. Like that is one thing I can say to you with a hundred percent certainty is like, just wake up in the morning and do the first thing that comes to your mind. Yeah. Give it like that like treat it like it's holy basically let that be your way of embracing your femininity like your first step to embracing your femininity and harnessing it through the masculinity of just doing the do I absolutely love that that actually like reinforces I because I've noticed that about myself that my morning routine is a really big deal and don't mess with my morning routine type of thing um, even from like Jill, don't mess with your own morning routine. <laughs> That's so funny. Ooh, I might contradict you, but, but that's probably for a different conversation. Cause like, I know, like I could totally like you and I can dive deep on this. Like, oh I, yeah, I can... I'm definitely interested. I want to hear more about what you have to say. If there's like, I know you've given us so much information so far if there's one last piece of information that you feel like would be a great takeaway um, from everything that you'd like to share with us, is there anything that comes to mind? So um, in terms of like a value, here's what I would like to leave each type with is a little piece of advice on productivity. So like I just told Joe, as a manifester, she needs to carve out like literally a free morning to do what it is that she is most called to do, whatever it is. If you're a projector in your calendar, I highly recommend adding time for rest and relaxation. And I'm talking like a decent sized chunk, like be kind to yourself, give yourself a good two, two and a half, three hours to just relax in the middle of the day. If you are a reflector, choose to put yourself in an environment where your only influence is your own because you've been surrounded by too many people for a very long time so set aside some time in your calendar where you get to have just an hour of no pun intended reflection time and alone time as a reflector if you're a manifesting generator put about five 20 minute breaks in your calendar between long sort of like working um like work sessions because it'll allow you to tune back into the joy of your state goal and if you're a generator I do this all the time schedule off days 
on non-traditional days. I typically will take a very, very soft working day on a Monday, and I won't work very hard on a Monday. But then there are some Fridays like today where I'll work really hard, and I'm happy with it, and I'm aligned with it, and I have the energy to do that. And I'll probably do that tomorrow too. And then Sunday, maybe I'll rest, maybe I'll work a little bit, but schedule off days on like non-typical days, on atypical days, basically, if you're a generator. So that's what I'll say in terms of like scheduling productivity for your type. And then last but not least, I would love to invite, including you, Jill, to my upcoming masterclass called Evolve. And we're going to be talking all about how human design influences the way that you show up in terms of productivity, how you're earning your income in your business, as well as how your impact is being felt out in the world by others who are watching you in the most aligned and effective way possible. That's coming up on January 19th. And for anyone who registers, there's a little bit of a competition I'm holding where I'm going to randomly select between one and three people for a free one hour human design business consult with me. Oh my goodness. That sounds so amazing. I will definitely be there. Yay! <laughs> and I'll put the link down below in the bio or the, the show notes of this podcast so that everybody can find it there as well. Amazing. I can't wait. Uh, me neither. Actually, that sounds so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be really good. I'm not going to lie. I'm in the midst of creating content for right now, but um, it's going to be very interactive as well. Like everyone's going to be able to download a workbook um, and we'll be actually like doing like it'll be like a mini workshop, too. So there's going to be a lot. Love it. OK, I will be there. Thank you so Yay! much for taking the time to chat with me today. And so much knowledge. I'm just, I'm, I'm like, kind of like, oh my goodness, I have to re-go through this podcast like a few times now to like take in some of the things that you said. It's just so much, so much information and so helpful too. Thank you. I'm so glad. I am so glad. Honestly, gratitude is with me because you thought about me, you reached out to me in the most unexpected and the most aligned way, which I loved in pure manifestor fashion. (laughs) And I can most certainly never ever fault you for that because it's turned out to be such a beautiful conversation and yeah truly like pleasure and gratitude sits with me as well so thank you thank you Sana there you have it I hope you guys will also be on Sana's masterclass with me on January the 19th I have posted in the show notes below where you can follow along with Sana for more information on her approach to neuro-linguistic programming and human design, how you can integrate that into your business, as well as where you can sign up for her masterclass. So I will see you guys all there.